So our, our last um, matchup from match day three that we're going to hit is Everton versus Crystal Palace. So we've weirdly become an Everton um, <laughs> podcast. Um, they've, they've got off to a good start. They've had a couple big signings and they've got off to their first 3-0 and start in 27 years. And they sit at number three in the table, um, obviously based off goal differential. Um, we have three teams who sit at 3-0. and um, Do you think Everton's for real this year and can make a legit run at Champions League slash Europa football? Or do you think they're going to end up at their usual 8-9-10 slot? Um, I, I definitely think Europa League is in play for them. I, I think champions, although look, I mean, we've seen clubs before that don't have European commitments end up going on real runs. And look, Carlo Ancelotti is a manager who's managed at the very highest level. He's brought in some players who've played at the very highest level. And I think what Everton have just been missing in this era, they've been, they, they, they were taken over by new, new ownership a couple of years ago and they spent a bunch of money. And at no point did they build a coherent team, right? They didn't like, you know, from back to front, this is our, our starting 11 that makes sense. And Carlo Ancelotti with three signings has brought in a team that makes sense, right? With Hamas, with Ducore, and with Alan, that it, it just makes sense now. They've got their starting 11. It, can, it finally looks like, all right, from, you know, back to front, it's a team that makes sense. You have Pickford and Goal is the England number one, although, you know, there's certainly some doubts about him. You know, Coleman, Keane, Mina, Dean in the, in the back. Uh, Alan and Gomes in midfield with Ducore in front of them. Hamas down the right with Charleston down the left. Calvert-Lewin up top. That's their starting 11. It makes sense. And for the first time, it actually looks like they play well together. Hamas, by the way, incredible. I know, I know Isaac, you're, you're, you're a Korean, and so you, you, you love Sun Hoon Min. I'm Colombian, and so I, I really should be all over this Hamas thing. And like, oh my God, I love that kind of... I don't love the lack of running. Like, I, I think the reason why he's struggled at a, at a club like Real Madrid is like, I don't think he runs hard enough. I don't think he does, but he puts in enough defensive work. But like the way that he manipulates the space around him without really having to do much work, the passes, like, oh my God, the quality just jumps off the screen. And like, I really missed watching Hamas play. Wasn't featuring that much for Real or for Bayern Munich on loan. And so, oh my God, what a revelation that guy's been. So so we just talked about this last week. We we went on a little Hamas <laughs> rant. Oh so, yeah, we love talking about him. We love Hamas here on this pod. So... Um, yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Isaac. Yeah. So, so Witty, the only thing I could come up with was because I saw this kind of like shocking statistic. I don't know if it was from last match week or the week before where Hamas had zero sprints in a match. Yeah. And the only thing I could think of, and I, this may be way off base and you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but was Carlos Valderrama. The yeah. player just seemed to just know the space around him and was aware so much that he felt no desire to expend energy and instead filled the space that was necessary in order to be that fulcrum, that meeting point between defense and offense, to be that player that took the ball, turned it upfield, and made that killer pass. And I was just, I am just so impressed with James, and I think he made his agent and his, his, uh, you know, his team around him. What a decision that they made. I mean, you know, you're going from a club that arguably the biggest in the world, Real Madrid, and saying, you know what, forget that. We're going to go to a club that's been mid-table to upper mid-table. Obviously, have brought in an exceptional manager in Ancelotti with the eyebrow, especially so exceptional, and have just gone all in on Everton, you know. 
and, and I love Everton, and and, and and I'm a big fan of that club, and did consider following them, of course, with with Son Heung-min being at Tottenham. I had to go Tottenham, but yeah, I've just been so impressed with Tottenham and or with with Thomas. And also one other thing on this match, just kind of a little technical detail: there were Charleston penalty given the circumstance, given the again the controversial handball, lining up, putting all that aside knowing that the penalty might not have been under the best circumstances and just smashing it in what I like to call the unstoppable penalty off to the side and in the air. The goalkeeper cannot make that safe. It's not possible. Unless they sit on one side of the goal, to be able to dive laterally and in the air up is not possible. So, yeah, we love Hamas here on Relegated FC, and uh, we're also glad to find out that you're a Colombian. Yes, and... and I, I actually I like your Valderrama comp. It's just a little bit different because it does it further up the pitch. Um, so I, I do think like a traditional number ten does. I think like it's, it's similar to me to like Mesut Ozil when Mesut Ozil was actually good. Um, but I, I do think that like like that Hamas sometimes struggles and and players like him sometimes struggle to find clubs because they do kind of have to build the whole thing around you. You, you, you need to have a defensive structure around you and the ball's got to go to you all the time so that you're always picking out passes because that's where your your value is. And I think Hamas similar to the Grealish thing we talked about earlier, wasn't going to fit in at Real Madrid, wasn't going to fit in at Bayern Munich because they weren't going to build the whole thing around him. Real Madrid and Bayern Munich are bigger than Hamas, whereas you could argue that Hamas is bigger than Everton. And that's why this marriage works exactly right. The manager believes in him. He took him to Bayern Munich. He had him at Real Madrid. And so clearly this manager really loves Hamas. And so um, I, I, I just love the situation for him and the way that he's using the ball and creating chances. And it's actually funny to me that like, you know, he, he was like this fantasy, like everyone picked him up from fantasy. He didn't get any fantasy stats this past weekend. No goals, no assists, but still completely bossed the game. And that is what I what I love to see is just a player who's just thinking and passing and using space on a different wavelength than every other player on the field. Yeah, so my um my comparison last week, and this is not to say that Hamez is Tom Brady by any means, but the way that Tom Brady sits in the pocket calmly and reads the whole field, that was my comparison to the way that Hamez plays the game and reads the field and makes his passes. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like uh, you could also think of it as like how Le'Veon Bell at his best in Pittsburgh would like right, start right. running to the hole and like I'm going to wait until the very last moment and see everything here. So um, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of different comps in terms of like things slowing down for you. You hear players talking right. about that all the time when you kind of live in that space. Uh, I'm I'm just like so jealous of. It. I think it's incredible to watch. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Chris, I think we're getting close to wrapping up here. Before we do. Uh... Drake talked about American stupidity earlier. I'm a stupid American, and I love goals, baby. And uh, scoring's been up a lot this year. Is there some fundamental reason for it or some explanation you have? Well, I mean, the obvious one is penalties. Um, as, as much as people are, are complaining about the handballs and the VAR, we're on pace for an insane number of penalties. I saw Sky put out a stat. We're on pace for 292 penalties and 88 penalties as a result of handballs, which are like an astronomical jump compared to normal. Um, I I also do actually think that um, you see a better attacking play because the pressure with no fans is different. And so I think the the dynamics have completely changed. It feels a bit more like training. And I think you see 
players best more often at training and it's the pressure and the cauldron that kind of uh, you know it, it, it affects the, the the outcomes of games so I do actually think playing behind closed doors has led to a fairly significant uh, reduction in goals or uh, a significant increase in goals um, and, and I think those are the two main reasons so penalties and and the training feel where you can just play your game and teams aren't afraid to you know go away from home and be a bit more attacking and enterprising and that just opens the game up and also leads united <laughs> like leads united just play completely insane games they played a 4-3 you know in back-to-back weeks uh they of their own volition are going to lift the scoring tally of the premier league this year love leads um, my question is, I was watching Inter-Miami's game yesterday and the reception that Iguain got, like all the trash talking, is that something that's common for MLS? Because it feels like it just oh. came out of nowhere. No, that was so yeah. weird. You know, for those that didn't see it, Gonzalo Iguain uh, takes a penalty, um, you know, puts it high and wide. And all of a sudden, like the the player, like the Philadelphia Union players are like jumping in his face and like making fun of him. And he snapped and like was shoving out at, at people and like were just really got mad about it. I I can't remember. There is one player. Oh, actually, there have been a few in the history of MLS. There used to be this guy who played for the San Jose Earthquakes named Stephen Lenhart, who was just the ultimate bother everyone on the field. Uh, the current player uh, who's like that is NYCFC's Anton Tenerholm. Everyone in the league hates him. Like, if you, if you like, do, like, a poll of, of maybe, who do you not like? And maybe, like, this guy runs away with it. But I I was not prepared for that. Like, all of a sudden, we're having a row because you're jumping in someone's face. They missed a penalty. Like, I was not expecting that at all. Like, and, like, I don't know if that's just, like, because Higuain has, like, this reputation, right? Like, he's missed famous penalties with Argentina. And, and like, you know, it's just, like, you're, you're bantering something that, you know, has happened to him before. But... I, I was completely floored by that. Like, I, I was, you know, stunned that after, you know, a, a missed penalty, we're having, you know, a whole conversation about, uh, you know, so, you know the, the opposition celebrating in his face. Yeah, that was definitely a, uh, a wild moment um, and a mark for Gonzalo Higuain to, to make his his debut. Um, so, so to wrap things up here, um, we'd like to go through the table um, at the end of the day and give our predictions. Um Chris, again, man, thanks for joining us. So right now, the top of the table looks like Leicester at one, Liverpool at two, Everton at three, Villa at four. And the bottom of the table looks like Burnley, Sheffield, and Fulham are getting relegated. No surprises there. Um, So if you would give us your one through four, who you think at the end of the year that the top of the table is going to look like, and also maybe a surprise that's going to get in that top four and then also maybe a surprise who will get relegated. So I think Liverpool are going to win the league. I said that before the season. Uh, I thought Man City are going to finish in second. Uh, I know that they lost the weekend, but I'm not going to waver from that one. Uh, I, I, I think they will still finish in second. Um, some questions about who I have to finish third right now. I, I think that race is wide open. Um, because I thought Chelsea were going to be stronger. Man United have looked terrible, uh, even though they got they 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 they, they got a win. Awful. I mean, I think they've been awful. Um, Arsenal, I thought we were, I was pretty encouraged by them, but today against Liverpool, um, I, I wasn't that impressed. So I think that race for for third and fourth, I'm still going to stick with Chelsea and, and Man United just because I think they've got the best attacks, they've got kind of the best squads uh, in those areas. But I wouldn't be surprised if you know if Everton stayed up there. I, I think the thing with Leicester. I would kind of tip them to be in that area, but they have to start playing Europa League. 
And I think in this congested season, the teams that are going to be in Europa League are, in a, are behind the eight ball. Like, I, I think they're in a really difficult spot. Spurs are already playing these qualifying games that are there, probably, you know, taking out uh, some of their legs. So, um, so, so what you're saying is Tottenham has zero chance of making Champions League. <laughs> well, I, I feel bad for Isaac. I just, I, I don't like Nope, rub it I, in, I, rub it in. I, I don't like Jose Mourinho. I just, you know, I, I'm rooting for his downfall. I'm rooting for him to eventually be stacked. I'm rooting for, I, you know what's funny is that I was rooting for Spurs to win the Champions League when they got to the final. I love Maurizio Pochettino. I liked Spurs when Maurizio Pochettino was their manager, but now like it is, you know, one day to the next. I'm like, all right, I, I hope I hope Spurs get relegated. Um, but we uh, all loved Poch, and that wasn't something that, as fans, obviously, we were and, and, rooting for by any means. So, um, I did have one question. I know we're trying to wrap up here, but you brought up a pretty cool point about Newcastle trying to get on the Newcastle train here since we have a cool Newcastle fan and stake. In this modern era of questioning how top players are kept at clubs, you know, Drake was wondering why, you know, Grealish is still around at Villa. How in the world did Newcastle keep Alan Shearer for as long as they did? What, what, what's, the, what's the difference between that time period and, and the time period now? Is it, is it just simply a money grab? Um, yeah, I, I just I think now there is almost there's become an increased fascination with the transfer window in general, right? There is just this constant conversation about spending and moving. And you see, like, you know, I, I deal a lot with the, you know, Chelsea FC and USA Twitter account because they promote our podcast and all that stuff. And you can just see, and they can put out something, you know, the nicest, most heartwarming story about a charitable act that they did. And in the mentions, it says, when's like, what's the next transfer? Announce, announce whoever. Like, there is just this obsession with the transfer window that now I think it's kind of bled down to the players where they feel like their careers have natural progressions, right? I start at this club, then I go to this club, then I go to this club, then I go to this club, right? And then the end point is either one of the big clubs in England or Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern Munich or something like that. There is just this natural progression to the way that a career has to go. Whereas back when out, like there wasn't, there didn't used to be that obsession with the transfer window. And yet, like, you know, Teddy Sheringham was great for Spurs in the 90s and then moved to Manchester United because that was the natural progression of his career. Someone like Alan Shearer, you know, you know, from the area, wanted to play for Newcastle. It's the only player like Matt Letizia at Southampton is another who is just this incredible center forward who could have gotten a move to a bigger club, but didn't want to because I this is my this is the team that I'm a fan of. Why would I leave? Um, and I, I just don't think that same thing exists, particularly when like I don't know if there's the same kind of fandom amongst young players because they get put into the academy system at such at such a young age. You're really you know attached to the club that you grew up with and then you but at some point you start thinking about your career you're so career-minded from such an early age that you don't really develop that same attachment to clubs couple that with the obsession with transfers and the progression of players and agents as well agents play a huge role agents make money on transfers right yes they take a commission on your salary but they take a commission on transfers too and so they're incentivized to try and get players to move and move and move and move so that they keep collecting commissions on transfers. So th- there's a lot in the game that incentivize people to not only want to move, but to almost force movement. Yeah, the transfer game is absolutely insane. And if you're not if you're not into soccer, you it's hard to understand. But it's it's super entertaining and um, exciting to get into. So once you get into into the game. Um, it's definitely something that'll that'll blow your Twitter timeline up for sure. Um, so, lastly, what who's the biggest club that you could possibly see getting relegated this season? My 
my club is that I see could possibly get um, relegated is West Ham. Um, they've flirted with it for a couple years now. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say it could be them. But there's a couple possibilities out there for sure. Um, yeah, I, I agree on West Ham. I think they're just in a place where they're, you know, they're they're always a, a poor run of results away from being a crisis club. They're not well run. Um, they don't seem to have a long-term strategy. And so I, I, I would not be surprised uh, if they went down. The other one, too, I think Southampton, you know, they had a, a, a midseason you know, really difficult result. They've lost 9-0 at home to Leicester. Um, and, but after that, they really turned it around. There's just some times they look vulnerable, man. And like, yeah, uh, they, 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 they got a nice win at the weekend to, to, to stem the tide. But that result against Spurs was like, what the hell? Like, they, like they, yeah. they get hit for five like that. It was completely stunning. So I, I, I do think that, um, that, that Saints at times just have these moments where uh, they look like a team that can be relegated. And so I won't be surprised if they will. I, I, I they have enough talent. They have a good enough coach, but um, I, I, they're probably like the ceiling for me on teams that could go down. So Eric is our resident Wolves fan. Um, they had a huge year last year, um, but off to a little bit of struggle this year. Do you think there's any way they might be in the relegation battle this year? Or do you see them competing for Europa again? No, I, I think Wolves will be fine. They're actually like in a little bit of a transition mode. They decided to catch in on some of their players, right? Uh, with Doherty going to Spurs, with... Um, uh, Jolta going to Liverpool, like they're 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 trying to you know bring in a new era a little bit. They brought in Semedo. Uh, they they brought in a young player from Portugal. They'll be fine. I I, I think they're you know hit hit a rough patch. The four 0 against West Ham was just stunning. Like that, I I did not see that coming at all. They're actually their next run of fixtures are going to be really easy. I think actually starting with uh, with Fulham this weekend. That's almost an automatic three points at this point. So uh, so I, I I do think that Wolves will be fine. Chris, man, we've had a blast. We appreciate you joining us, man. Um, go check out Chris on Chelsea Mic'd Up with Mike Ryan Ruiz. They do a fantastic Chelsea podcast. Um, they touch on Premier League, all the above. They are much better than we are. Like I said, they're in the champ. They're in the Champions League. We're we're just trying to stay in the Premier League and and not get into the English Champion um, Championship. So we appreciate y'all joining us. Thank you again. It's another edition of Relegated FC.